just have to ask, and you don't even have to raise your hand, is anybody discouraged in anything? Discouraged with your family? Discouraged with finances? Discouraged with where your life is going? Discouraged with maybe not knowing what you're supposed to do about something? If you are, this is for you, and if you're not, this is still for you. Good news. I wanted to read something real quickly out of uh, Joshua 1. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' minister, and here's what the Lord said, Moses, my servant, is dead, so now arise. I want you to remember that part. Now arise. Take his place. Go over this Jordan. You and all the people into this land which I am giving to them, the Israelites. And every place upon which the sole of your foot shall tread, that have I given. That means I have already given. I've already given it to you as I promised. And then I'm going to skip down to six. And it says, be strong, be confident, be of good courage, because you will cause this people to inherit the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. And then he says again, only be strong and be very courageous that you may do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Don't turn from it to the left hand or to the right, that you may prosper wherever you go. And when I was reading through this, there are a couple of things that really stood out to me. God has called each one of us to something, and he never said it was going to be extremely easy. And if you're doing anything worth doing, if you're doing anything that matters to the heart of God, then the enemy is going to come against you. But he said, don't worry about that. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. And I know this was God talking to Joshua, but how many of you know when we look back through the Old Testament, We can put our names in there too. There's a reason these things are in here. It's for us to glean. It's for us to be encouraged. So I want to encourage you in this. If God has called you to do something, and I know he has called each one of us to do something, there comes with it responsibility, but there also comes with it built-in courage. And all you have to do is tap into that courage that God has already set out there for you. That faith that's on the inside of you, tap into it. Don't look at the circumstances. Don't look to the left when crazy things are happening over here. Don't look to the right when discouraging things are happening over here. It does not matter. None of that matters. You keep focused on what God's called you to do. You keep focused on the God who called you, and you will Fulfill that thing that God has called you to do. So step out. If there's something in your heart to do, step out and do it. It might be scary. You may never have done it before. We never, we may never have stood up here and said, you know what? Here's a great serving opportunity. But if God lays it on your heart, you come to us because God is calling all of us to do something great. And here's the other part that really stood out to me was when he was talking about how Wait, I want to go back to it. Be strong and confident of good courage, for you shall cause these people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Do you know that there are other people waiting on the other side of your obedience? And we don't, when we're afraid, when we're not courageous, when we don't stand up and take our place, there are others waiting for us to take our place. And they may never get to that land, that inheritance that God has for them. So my encouragement is this, God has called you, 
but he's equipped you already to do it. He's given you the courage to do it. And so step into that because your inheritance, your spiritual inheritance is waiting and somebody else's is too. Amen? Amen. That's good. That's good. Evelyn, will you come up here real quick? That's great, Trish. How are you doing this morning, guys? Are you doing good? Thank you, Becky. Somebody's doing wonderful. Is that you? <laughs> All right. Thank you, Sonny. <laughs> Evelyn, give us an update on what's what's been going on. Here, you want this? Well, Pastor has done a dangerous thing. He said I could take all the time I needed, <laughs> um, which won't be long, I'm sure. I'm moved by the backpack this year. I will never be the same. I have a commission from the Lord Jesus Christ to go forward in this compassionate work that he has done through our church body. There is such a thing as the after committee. (laughs) Next year we should have a designated after committee because it's been two weeks and we're still putting backpacks together. We're calling people. Uh, We're having families come in and it's a one-on-one thing and the blessing of that one-on-one thing is you get to hear some of the stories (laughs) of the lives that we are touching God is awesome in this place so I'd like to begin just with a little short prayer dear heavenly father I pray that you breathe your very presence in our beings, that this day we will be reconciled to you through the precious blood and resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ, that we may boldly go into our community and be about your business, making an eternal difference in families. All through this backpack, every time we had a meeting or something, I had a scripture that just kept coming to me, and that was in Mark chapter 6. And it was about the five loaves and the two fishes. And we all know, have heard that message preached on many times. But before that actual miracle, Jesus was teaching people. They were in the wilderness. They had run to him. They had sought him. They were seeking out the Son of Man on earth. And when he went out, he saw the people and he was moved with compassion. So compassion is a character trait of my Lord. And the reason he had compassion on them is because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd. Folks, we saw some people this week that have no shepherd. They are facing life and the troubles of life with no shepherd. So our first mandate is to teach the gospel through our outreaches, to reflect that compassion of the Son. And I don't mean the Son, I mean the Son of God, that compassion. Next, further on in the the chapter he Jesus says to the disciples well because the disciples we're going to send them away we don't have enough to feed them we don't have money in the treasure to feed this many people well we sure worked on the budget and the treasure didn't we (laughs) 
was there enough money? No, sometimes we didn't think we had enough money. But Jesus said, what do you have? What do you have? We all have something. We have a voice. We have time. We have something that we can give toward the kingdom of God. And Jesus told his disciples to feed these people. He didn't tell, he didn't do it himself. Pastor can't do everything. Committees can't do everything. Folks, you are the disciples. You are the reflection of Jesus to this community. And when you plant seeds, you get a crop. I think that's kind of like a quote from Oral Roberts. So we're expecting a greater crop, but I'm going to tell you a couple of stories. But I want you to make it personal. Make this personal to you. I make it personal to me. Through God breathing his likeness in me, I can have the compassion of Jesus. I can take the gospel to my community that have no shepherd. I can give a child a backpack. I can put a pair of shoes on dirty little feet. I can give some water. I can pass out water like the young people did. All in Jesus' name, I can use what is in my hand. We gave out 800 plus backpacks. And when we get finished donating the shoes that we have in the back, it will be 648 shoes, which is a long way from the first few that we bought. And that's from everybody. At the very end, when we were having people leave, and uh, we had to fill out slips with names and specific sizes, then the hunt was on. We had people willing to jump in, step in, and do their part. Uh, Anthony and Cindy were really searching. We were all searching how to get these 128 shoes. And you know what? God is our source. And so Sister Carol... Uh, being down in Batesville, had opportunity to pass by Payless Shoe Store. And uh, one night, the manager wasn't there. She went back the next night. Carol came home with 128 shoes. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. I would have liked to have been here to see her squinched behind the driver's seat and all those boxes of shoes filling every capacity that there was in that vehicle. The next couple of nights, Barbie and I put shoe and name together, shoe and name together, shoe and name together, till we had all the orders filled. Well, oops. We ended up with three pairs of size 10 men's shoes for girls. Okay, oops. That was a mistake happening. So went to Walmart, got the right size shoes that night, fixed that little problem. Started passing these things out. A grandmother came up to me in the back at the fellowship hall. A grandmother raising her two grandsons by herself on her own pension, no help, wringing her hands almost crying as I am now I don't know what to do it's my fault I didn't fill out the paper 
I don't know what to do. I got the little one's shoes, but I don't have shoes for my older kid. And I tried to comfort her and get her to calm down a little bit. I said, well, ma'am, what size shoes does he wear? She said, size 10. So I go over to the mistake shoes, bag them up, bring them to her, and I, th I don't think I've been hugged that hard all year, even by my lovely, nice husband. This woman needed that pair of shoes for her grandson. I had another man come in to pick up his, his uh, son's shoes. And as he started to leave, he turned around. He said, I hate to ask this because you all have been so kind. You have given out backpacks to my son. You've given out shoes. But do you have a pair of shoes for my brother's kids? And I said, well, I don't know what size do they wear. And he said, I don't know. I'll have to go make a phone call. So I went about helping someone else. He came back. He said, ma'am, I need two pairs of size 10 shoes. God doesn't make mistakes. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is the provider. He is the source of all this. I had another grandmother picking up shoes, um, which she was also the godmother of some, some children's since backpack that she had brought into her home. The mother had deserted them because she chose drugs over her children. And so this woman was looking for some kind of help. And in the small overflow box of shoes, we had shoes for every kid. Praise God. We had another little six-year-old boy, six years old, that got his first pair of brand-new shoes in our church. His first pair. I know what hand-me-downs are, but not to that extent. This little boy was so proud of his shoes, and that was verified by two different people that that was his first shoes. He had only had hand-me-downs. I had another mother come up. Her daughter just came back since backpack, and they had received stuff for their children the Saturday before, so she just showed up at the church. We gave her daughter shoes. Her daughter had been missing for three years. She didn't know if her daughter was alive or not where she was, where, what was she doing in school, how, she didn't know. I can't imagine that, that tragedy. But here she was, she, the daughter had been found in Florida and returned to the mother, and so they were in, in, in the process of getting everything for this little daughter. Uh, so we, we played a part in providing for that. We got to have prayer with several people. There was uh, one man that came, and the mother that had been here the previous week with her kids and signed up for everything since Backpack has found out that she has a reoccurrence of ovarian cancer, which didn't sound too good from a medical standpoint. Uh, but that we were, had a chance to pray with them and you could tell that the prayer was of all of us gathering around this man. 
was very moving, and we were able to give them backpacks and shoes. We, had, we got to pray, Sister Trish and Tana and all of us got to pray in the office doorway over here as the grandmother was leaving. Uh, grandmother and mother. Uh, the grandmother part is since backpack, she has had uh, three of her grandkids come into the home because of family issues and they needed shoes. We had shoes left over for them. Little small kids shoes. But we prayed with the grandmother because the 17-year-old son is, is at Shriners now as we speak having surgery. And he got to wear his new shoes to his doctor's appointment up there. And we got to pray with the mother that she would have peace and that all would go well with the surgery. You just don't know how much God is doing through you until you start hearing these little stories. Do what you have if you have a voice, if you can sing, if you can play, if you can greet, you have a voice. It is time that we go boldly into our communities, first preaching the gospel, the gospel that Jesus loves them, died for them, and has a whole new life prepared for them. Not a life without troubles, we all have troubles, but a life with a savior a God who provides, a God who leads, and a God who cares, who loves you and wants to be in you. In this place is the Spirit of God. But you know what? It's not just in this building. It's in this place for each one of us. When you invite the Holy Spirit, the Son of God, the living God, to breathe in you, that compassion that Jesus showed on that day, you will never be the same again. You will go boldly into the community doing what he has for you to do. And as a church body, we have done that this year. I would, amen. I just think that that Webster's Dictionary should now put uh, under a noun, a backpack, a thing that we do at Highland Assembly. Who do you need? Who are you for? You need Evelyn? Evelyn, you're needed back there. Becky, are we ready? Almost. got your Bibles, lift them up this morning. We're going to hear from God this morning. Repeat after me, say, this is my Bible. Every word in it is true. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's word. It's his truth, transforming, 
every part of my life, and I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. I promised you over the, the next three weeks, starting this Sunday, that we're going to be a series of messages that I feel like God's given me to transform our church. These are the three, in my opinion, of the, of the last three years that we've been here, these are the three most important messages that I'm going to give you so far. And it's interesting that the message I'm going to start with today is about chasing the lion. How many of you were here three years ago when we gave this sermon for the first time? Let me see your hands. Wow. <laughs> about, about a quarter of you. So that's good. So most of you haven't heard this before. But I want you to know, when we came to this church and, and we interviewed to be your pastors, this was the first sermon that I preached. And, I want, and it's not by coincidence that we're preaching this today that I'm teaching you this today. Because if you cut me wide open, this is what comes out. If you cut me wide open, this is what comes out. If you cut me, this is what I bleed. This is the greatest passion in my life, is what I'm going to share with you today. And it's found in, in the most obscure place in the Bible about somebody that 99% of you or 90% of you have never heard of before. And if you did read it, you probably passed right over it. So let's go ahead and read this scripture, and then we're going to get right into it. 2 Samuel chapter 23, verses 20 through 21. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. There was also Benaiah. Everybody say Benaiah. Son of Jehoiada, he was a valiant warrior from Kabzeel. He did many heroic deeds, which included killing two champions of Moab. Another time, on a snowy day, he chased a lion down into a pit and killed it. Once, armed only with a club, he killed a great Egyptian warrior who was armed with a spear. Benaiah wrenched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with it. But there's one scripture right in the middle that sets this apart from so many others that you've ever read. Another time, on a snowy day, he chased a lion down into a pit and killed it. Today we're going to talk about chasing lions. We're going to talk about chasing lions. And here's the point. Here's the big idea of this sermon today. What if the life that you really want is hiding in your biggest problem your worst failure or your greatest fear? I'm going to read that again. What if the life that you really want is hiding? It's hidden. It's covered up. In your biggest problem, your worst failure or your greatest fear? Before we go on, I want to talk about lions a little bit. And by the way, Becky's done a phenomenal job preparing this for you guys today. I wish I could turn around and watch it because it's really cool. <laughs> but let's talk about lions a little bit. African lions. African lions are mammals, right? We all know what mammals are. And their diet is what? Meat. Carnivores. They're meat eaters. From the head to the tail of a lion, they average anywhere from four and a half to six and a half feet. They weigh anywhere from 265 to 420, up to 500 pounds for a massive lion. Here's what they eat. Lions' prey includes wildebeest, zebra, waterbuck, kudu, giraffe, and buffalo. They also tend to attack young elephant calves, but I want to focus on one of these animals that they attack, and that's the Cape buffalo. If you study, how many of you have watched Animal Planet before? 
<laughs> Thank you. All right. If you study anything about lions or anything about Africa, if you ask any hunters or anybody that lives in Africa, what's the most dangerous creature in Africa per capita? They're going to tell you the Cape Buffalo. The Cape Buffalo is a tank with horns. Okay? The Cape Buffalo is about the baddest critter running around. Now, there's a lot of things in Africa that can stomp you, bite you, or eat you. Okay? Let's just... That, that's true. But the Cape Buffalo is the most dangerous, many, many people would tell you. So lions, for fun, and because they're hungry, go and eat the toughest creature in Africa. Lions are bad. Lions are bad. Okay? Can we establish that fact? So when, when we're sitting here studying about Benaiah, it is so easy to gloss over the scripture. Benaiah, blah, 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 ran after a lion, blah, 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 chased it in the snow, dumped into a pit, blah, go on to the next verse. Because it's easy to read that from the comfort of where you are right now, right? But I want you to put yourself into the situation of this guy. We're going to talk about Benaiah a little bit today. We're going to talk about chasing lions today because here's the reality what Benaiah did was amazingly brave and gutsy and courageous what he did was amazingly courageous let me ask you a question if I how many of you are scared of mice come on show me your hands be honest I'm a pastor I know okay if I were to take a mouse right now a little white mouse and I were to set it loose, how many of you would scream, freak out, and jump on your husband? Come on, talk to me. How many of you husbands would jump on your wife's lap? Come on. <laughs> I got to tell you a funny story. We were, <laughs> I wasn't even going to do this, and I just realized it right now. Oh, a couple months ago, Trisha was, was taking a bath or getting ready to take a bath, and all of a sudden, I hear this blood-curdling scream, Right? And I'm running in expecting to find pirates in our house, okay? I mean, this sounds bad. And Miles and I go running in, and Trisha's standing there clothed, okay? She's standing there, and we go running into the restroom, and she's standing on top of the bathtub, and she's going, there's a mouse! So what do Miles and I do? It's a mouse. I mean, it's that big. It's a li- it wasn't even a big mouse. As far as mice go, it was a midget mouse, okay? I mean, this is small. And, and so we go running into the restroom, and we go, we'll catch it. So we're grabbing towels and what kind of stuff, you know. And all of a sudden, this mouse starts darting around the room. Now, I'm a pretty big guy. I'm pretty brave. I was in the Army. You know, I'm not scared of much. I'm screaming like a wee little girl, jumping around, trying to not let this mouse crawl up my leg. Miles is jumping around. I mean, we look like, I don't know what we look like. But it was amazing that here's this little mouse. We finally caught it. And sent it to its heavenly reward. But the, the point was, it was a mouse. A mouse. Everything eats mice. I mean, they're kind of at the bottom of the mammalian food chain. What if I, a lion walked in here? <laughs> I mean, a 500-pound one of those. Benai is different, okay? Benai, there's something, you know, how many of you have ever been to a circus and seen a lion tamer, okay? We've all seen lion tamers. How many of you have ever seen a lion chaser? <laughs> Very short list of people 
What do you do? Well, I'm a lion chaser, like my brother, who's dead now. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, there's not this big, you don't go to college to be a lion chaser, okay? If you're ever in class, you go, hey, what would you like to be when I grow up? Well, I'd like to be a lion chaser, you know? There's just not a lot of people that do that. So what is it about this guy that made him chase lions? Let me tell you the story. Let me give you the, I'm just going to embellish a little, but I'm going to tell you what I think happened. Here goes Benaiah, right? Normal people run away from lions. Lion chasers run after lions. So here's Benaiah. I can see it. You know, he's at home, he's watching ESPN, you know, and he's sitting at the house, and Mrs. Benaya comes walking in and goes, Benaya, I need you to run down to Walmart, or whatever they had, Mart. And, and Benaya says, oh, man, the chariot's busted, you know. He goes, all right, I'm going to go, I'll walk down to the store. So he picks up his spear, his sword, whatever, and he goes out and he's walking. And the scripture doesn't tell us what he was doing. All we know is he was in the middle of nowhere walking somewhere. And so Benaiah is not lion hunting. He's just going to the store or something. Right? And he's walking along and it's snowing. And and he's walking along down this path. And then he looks up. And he sees probably the one thing that you don't ever want to see when you're out walking somewhere by yourself. Because see, if there's two of you, only one of you has to outrun the lion. (laughs) Some of you will get that later. I was up in Montana about 10, 12 years ago with some of my buddies, and we were elk hunting, and it was snowing, and, and we were sitting out, and we had shot like 10 mule deer, and, and we had taken these mule deer and skinned them, and we hung them all up in this one big tree, and we were waiting for the rest of the guys to come pick us up because a blizzard had flown in, or blown in, and, and what had happened in the area that we were in is in where we were in Montana, they had recently released grizzly bears back into the region, and the guide had told us all these Texas boys, most of us from Texas, he said, when we showed up there, he said, now listen, guys, there, there are bears in our area. There are black bears and grizzly bears, and we've seen some. As a matter of fact, in this camp last year, there were bears sighted, a number of bears. And so has everyone brought their bear repellent? <laughs> to which we all went, yes, we did. <laughs> Those are pistols, by the way, in case you're wondering. He goes, did you bring pepper spray? <laughs> You want me to spray a bear? I mean, I put pepper on food, not on bears, you know? But anyway, so we're sitting there, and all the other guys are gone, and we don't have any guns, and we're sitting next to this food, this bear food hanging up in a tree. And my buddy, Steve, was sitting next to me, and and we start talking about bears. And then the revelation came to us. This is a true story. The revelation came. We're sitting in the middle of snow next to all these deer carcasses, and he goes, dude, this is the biggest bear trap in the world. And we don't have any guns and nobody else is here. He goes, we could get attacked by bears. And then he looked at me and goes, and I can outrun you. <laughs> so I'm looking for a rock, you know. Almost, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but lion chasers are wired differently. They don't run from bears. 
They don't run from lions. They charge them. So Benaiah is walking down this path, and he sees the one thing that you don't want to see. I can just see it in my mind's eye. The lion's walking around the corner. Benaiah's walking around the corner, and there's that moment. Uh, and the lion's probably doing the same thing. Now, you know right now you are wired you are physically, physiologically, and emotionally wired, then when a lion walks through the door, you do what? Run. Which way? The other way. And Benaiah sees the lion, and he does the one thing that they tell you not to do at Israeli University. (laughs) And he charges the lion. Now, here's what's interesting. He charges that. That that's designed to kill anything walking around Africa. And I want to tell you something. If you look down the list of these things that that lions eat, every one of those things has some kind of a defense mechanism. Let me tell you something. The biggest, baddest, meanest, toughest NFL player in the planet would get killed in about half a second by a lion that wanted to eat him. But here's Benaiah, and he charges the lion. Well, here, of all things, the lion turns around, probably going, what in the world is going on? Usually I have to go out for takeout food, and it's running to me, you know? And, and, but the lion turns around, and of all things, starts to run the other direction. Now, I want to tell you something. What I probably would have done, and I think what most of us would have, if we would have had the guts to even chase the lion in the first place, as soon as he starts running off and gets out of sight, what am I doing? Turning around and stopping and going home and telling everybody that I'm the man. (laughs) Right? But not Benaiah. Something happened. And see, it's snowing. And lions can outrun people, of course, because they can run like 38 miles an hour. So the lion takes off. Well, it's snowing, so guess what Benaiah can do? He can see the tracks. And he's sprinting after this lion. And he's chasing the tracks of this lion. And all of a sudden, he hears this roar because what's happened is this lion has fallen down into a pit. So I can imagine Benaiah runs up to the edge of the pit, looks down at the lion, and he's going, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, I'm a man, I chased you in a pit, you know, right? Not only have I chased you, now you're in a pit, stupid lion. Tricks are for kids. I mean, you know, I mean, he's, he's doing all the stuff and, you know, for real, right? Right? And then something else happens. See, Benaiah is confusing. He turns around and he starts to walk away. But he only walks away far enough to get a good running start. And he charges and jumps in the pit with the lion. If you were to call Las Vegas right now and say, who wants odds on who's going to win that deal? Is there anybody in here in their right mind who's going to bet on Benaiah? Nobody. 
See, lions are designed to kill anything they want. And there are some advantages, see, this lion has. See, it's dark, and lions can see at night because that's when they do a lot of their hunting. They see extremely well. It's snowy, and it's rocky in this pit, but lions have how many feet? With what on them? So what does that make you? An all-terrain cat. So there's an advantage to the lion. The lion weighs probably two to three times what Benaiah weighs. And he's used to killing anything he wants to. So there are no advantages for Benaiah. And he jumps in the pit. But after a few moments, I imagine, can you imagine standing back? What a movie, right? You're, you're back in the audience. We're all like, what happened? You know, what's going on? And Benaiah's in the pit, and you hear the battle going on. There's a battle going on in this pit. And surprisingly, it goes on longer than you expect. And I can imagine this blood-curdling lion scream and Benaiah's blood-curdling screams. And here before too long, Benaiah crawls up out of this pit. And I want you to imagine that when he crawled up out of the pit, it probably wasn't, you know, he was probably beat up and he was probably bloody. And he was probably scarred and carried some of those scars for the rest of his life. But he was victorious. So I'm going to go back to my original question. What if the life that you're looking for is hidden inside your greatest challenges, is hidden inside your greatest fears? Is hidden in some of your greatest problems. What if that's the life that you need? Because here, here's an interesting and amazing result about something that happened to Benaiah. Well, I'll get to that in a minute. Let, let me give you some points today that I want us to walk away with. Here's number one. Number one, God is in the business of strategically putting us in the right place at the right time. God is in the business of strategically putting us in the right place at the right time. But there's a big but to all this, and here it is. Sometimes the right place looks like the wrong place, and the right time looks like the wrong time. God's in the business of putting you someplace at the right time and the right place, but a lot of times to your mental, to your mind, to the circumstances that you're looking at, it looks like the wrong place at the wrong time. And in Benaiah's situation, that's would qualify for a horrible, no good, very bad day, running into a lion. But if you skip down to 2 Samuel 23, verse 23, Here's what it says. He, Benaiah, was more honored than the other members of the 30, though he was not one of the three. And David made Benaiah captain of his bodyguard. King David made Benaiah captain of his bodyguard. See, most people see lions as big 500-pound problems. But lion chasers see lions as big 500-pound opportunities. Here's number two. God-given opportunities are often disguised as man-eating lions. God-given opportunities are often disguised as man-eating lions. We can cower in fear and run away from our greatest challenges, 
or we can chase our God-ordained yesterday, our, our God-ordained destiny. We can cower in fear and run away from our greatest challenges, or we can chase our God-ordained destiny. I want to tell you something, and you've got to admit this. If you're applying to be a bodyguard for the king, this looks pretty good on your resume, doesn't it? Right? I mean, think about this. I killed a lion in a pit on a snowy day. I can imagine David sitting down at his king desk, and, and he is looking for somebody to be the head of his personal bodyguard. This is the guy who leads a team that takes care of you, and you're the king or the queen. And you're looking for somebody to take care. You want the bravest person you can find, don't you? So David's flipping through resumes. One of them is, well, King David, I mastered in security at the University of Jerusalem. I did an internship at the Palace Guard. I worked for Brink's Armored Chariots. (laughs) And then Benaiah's resume comes across his desk. I killed a lion in a pit on a snowy day. Sold. Right? That's the person I want protecting me. Here's the point. God is in the resume building business. He is always using our past experiences to prepare us for our future opportunities. See, some of you right now look at your past and feel like your past disqualifies you. But the reality is your past prepares you for your future. You've heard me say this before because I absolutely believe it. Those of you that have overcome your past challenges, your past addictions, your past issues, whatever it's been, those of you that are facing those, that becomes jet fuel in your life. It becomes the thing that propels you into the future. God is in the business of using our past experiences to prepare us for future opportunities. What turned out to be a very bad day and initially for Benaiah turned into the day that prepared him for the rest of his life. He became the bodyguard to the king. But it didn't look like that at the beginning of the day, did it? It looked like he was going to be eating for lunch. And yet he was willing to face his lion. As I look back on my own life, I recognize this simple truth. The greatest opportunities in my life have also been the scariest lions. The greatest opportunities in my life have also been my scariest lions. Part of me, like you, has wanted to play it safe. But I've learned that taking no risk is the greatest risk of all. Taking no risk is the greatest risk of all. That leads to point number three. There are two types of regret. Two types of regret. There's the regrets of action, and there's the regrets of inaction. We'll read that again. There are two types of regret. There are regrets of action, and there are regrets of inaction. Theologically, we call these the sins of commission and the sins of omission. The sins of action or the sins of commissions are the sins that we do. These are bad things we do. I took the cookies from the cookie jar when mom said no. That's a sin of action. And those are typically the kind of sins that we talk about all the time, are the things that we do wrong. 
But there's another type of sin that's in the background, and that's the sin of omission. If you don't remember anything else today, I want you to hear this. You can do nothing wrong and still do nothing right. You can do nothing wrong and still do nothing right. Most people know Christians, the church, for what we're against and not what we're for. Most people know the church for what we're against. We're against this. You can go right now anywhere in the country, and this isn't a bad thing necessarily, and you'll find Christians picketing all these different things. Fill in the blank, whatever you want to think it is. Christians out there picketing, God hates, blah, blah, whatever, right? How many lives does that really change? And here's the problem with most of that is we may go and picket something and tell people what we don't think or what we think God thinks about that, but we don't do squat about it. I'll go spend an hour picketing something, but if somebody says, hey, if you really want to make a difference about abortion, then why don't you go volunteer at a pregnancy center? Well, I don't want to do that. But lion chasers are not that way. Lion chasers don't run from challenges. Lion chasers charge challenges. Our calling is much higher than simply running away from what's wrong. We're called to chase lions. We're called to look for opportunities in our problems and in our obstacles and take risk to reach for God's best. Here's what the author had to say about it, Mark Batterson. No guts, no glory. How many of you have heard that before? No guts, no glory. When we don't have the time, or excuse me, when we don't have the guts to chase the lions in our life, then God is robbed of the glory that rightfully belongs to him. Maybe we've measured spiritual maturity the wrong way. Maybe following Jesus isn't supposed to be as safe or as civilized as we've been led to believe. Maybe Jesus was more dangerous and uncivilized than our Sunday school flannel graphs portrayed him. Maybe God is raising up a generation of lion chasers. Here's number four. Lion chasers see and seize opportunities. And that is two separate things. Lion chasers see the opportunity, but more than seeing the opportunity, they seize the opportunity. They don't just see it. They see it. They seize it. And let me give you a practical example of what that looks like. You're driving down the road. No, you need your example. You're at Walmart, and you're walking down the line at Walmart, and, and you're going down, and you look down on the floor, and some little rug rat has gone down the cereal aisle and knocked over about five boxes of cereal. Little turd, nerd. <laughs> you know, little kid's gone down there and he's knocked that cereal over in the aisle and you're going down and you go, <gasps> someone should do something about that. You see. But here's what lion chasers do. They seize. They stop. 
And they lean down, and they grab the box of cereal, and they put it up on the shelf. And you say, well, pastor, that's a really easy example of a whole lot of nothing. Let me tell you something else. Lion chasers are the ones that go down, and when they see kids without shoes, they buy shoes for them. Lion chasers are the one that when we go out and we see societal things that are wrong, we don't just say somebody ought to do something about that. Because for years what we've said is the government ought to do something about that. And boy, haven't they done a fantastic job. When Jesus is saying what's in your hand. Amen. Amen. And he's looking at us and he's saying, my Holy Spirit is in you. The power of God resides in you. If you're going to be a transformational church, you've got to stand up and do something about it. But it takes all of us being willing to sit down and stop saying somebody else should do something about it and start saying we will do something about it. And it starts by you saying I will do something about it. See, Benaiah wasn't walking down the road and looking out and seeing the lion and going, you know what? Somebody ought to do something about that lion. He said, I'll do something about it. Most of us (laughs) think of every opportunity as God's gift. Here's what I want you to do. When you see a challenge, when you see something going on, I I want you to think of every opportunity as God's gift to you. What you do with these challenges is your gift back to God. Most of us applaud lion chasers from the sidelines. Good for them. Go, Benaiah. You know? Good for you, pastor. Good for you, whoever. Go, go, go. It's not what God's calling us to do. It's not what he's calling us to do. We're inspired by people who face their fears and chase their dreams. What we fail to realize is that they are no different from us. See, there wasn't anything special about Benaiah. Remember, he didn't go to lion killing school. Because you can't train for that. Benaiah just stood up and he said, not today, not today. Lion chasers are us. Lion chasers are us. Here's my final point. Number five, jump in the pit. Jump in the pit. See, it's really about faith and courage, guys. It's really about faith and courage. And see, I'm not preaching. See, here's the cool thing. I could go preach this message somewhere else to a church in the middle of somewhere that doesn't do anything, and they would all be freaking out. But see, you guys get it. But God is calling us into a new season. God is calling us into a new season, and you need to hear this. Some of you right now are facing challenges, and I want you to understand this, that the obstacles in your life, the challenges that you face, that's what your lions are. 
That's your lions. Some of you are facing and fighting addictions, and it's a lion to you. Some of you have gotten a doctor's report, and it's a lion to you. Some of you are recovering from divorce, and it's a lion to you. Some of you have lost your jobs. Some of you hate your jobs. Some of you, you're facing all these different things. Whatever the biggest challenge in your life is, it's a lion. And I want to tell you something. If you go to counselors and doctors and everybody else, they'll go, bless your heart. You should feel really bad. That's so sad. It's so sad that you were abandoned as a child. It's so sad that you were abused. It's so sad that you were raped. It's so sad that you, and, they, and they'll give you all these reasons to feel good about your lion and say, why don't you just walk around the pit? You don't deserve that lion. And that's what most of us do. But if you're wanting your life to change, if you want your life to matter, then you got to jump in the pit. And this wasn't in the book. I wrote this down because this is what matters to me. This is what Pastor Chris says about this. It's about a desire to be free that says only one of us is going to come out of this pit. And it's a passion that says this, I would rather die than be a slave. I would rather die than be a slave. I would rather die than live with this addiction. I would rather die than have to constantly live with this challenge. But it's not okay that lions are walking around. I want you to understand something today. When, when Benaiah jumped in the pit, he wasn't alone. God was there with him. See, I know what happened. Somewhere when he's walking away, getting ready to jump in that pit, I could hear the Holy Spirit talking to him saying, do it. Do it. Buy the shoes. Buy the shoes. God, I don't know how we're going to pay for it. Buy the shoes. Because here's the deal. The people you look at that you admire so much, the only difference between them and you is that God's telling them what to do and they're doing it. He's speaking things into your heart, but if you just say no, 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 then you're just walking around the lion pit. And see, I thought it was amazing this week, and Evelyn, I didn't say this to you, and I'm not trying to pick on you, and you know that. She took off a couple of days of work this week and got to sit up here and minister to these people. It cost her something. But she also got to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And I want you to know something right now. If you are sick and tired of being sick and tired, then today is your day. See, lion, lion chasers don't have to be strong. Lion chasers don't have to be smart. As a matter of fact, I think it helps not being as smart. <laughs> Line chasers just have to trust God and listen. And when he says jump in the pit, you jump. And I, and I want to tell you where I'm at in my life. I would rather die facing my lines than live with them. 
Because I want my life to matter. I want the life of my family to matter. This doesn't require you to be super brave. It just requires you to be willing. I wonder if halfway through Benaiah's jump, he goes, this might not be a good idea. (laughs) You think? But he was down there. The future that you want lies through the path of the lion pit. I'm going to give you an opportunity now. And for those of you who are willing, I've got something special for you. Let's all, let's all pray for a second. I want you to think about the lions that you're facing in your lives. I want you to think about some of the challenges that you have right now. And I want you to think about what the greatest lion in your life is. And I want you to make a decision right now. If you're willing, if you're willing to jump in that pit, God will be there for you. God will give you the strength. God will help you. But you've got to jump. And I'm going to do something different today. Whatever your challenge is, it could be a sickness in your body. It could be whatever, whatever, fill in the blank, whatever it is you're dealing with. You know what I'm talking about. Whatever's going on in your life. Some of you need to rededicate your life to the Lord. Some of you are dealing with financial challenges, relational challenges, whatever it is. Whatever the lion is that's killing you. You need to make a stand today. And I want you to just come down to the altar. If that's you, no raising hands, just get up and come down to the altar. Pastor, this is what I'm dealing with. I'm coming down to the altar. I'm going to fight the lion today. Whatever it is. Pastor, this is what it is. I'm coming today. Just step out and come down and say, Pastor, that's me. I need to deal with it today. You're not willing to live with it anymore. It's not okay. You're going to charge the lion. Only one of you is going to come out of the pit. Only one of you is going to come out. Pastor, I'm willing. I'm going to trust God. you're sitting out there and you don't have any lines right now. Maybe you've already faced them. Maybe you've already made it a quality decision that you're going to deal with your lines. Maybe you already have. Then I want you to pray for these people that are willing to come forward because this is a brave thing to do. They're being very courageous. Let's take a minute and pray for them. Amen.
Being a lion chaser doesn't require you to be perfect. But what it does require is for you to be willing. Over the next two weeks, I'm gonna give you guys an opportunity to go to the next level in your life, okay? See, all these folks that came up today are willing to face their lions. I've got a lion claw right here just to remind them. But God has called this church to be lion chasers. It's not okay that our society falls apart. It's not okay that our communities fall apart. It's not okay that our families fall apart. And it's not okay that your life falls apart. Jesus died for you to be free. But it's not enough just to talk about it. We have to do something about it. Right? And so over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to give you an opportunity to make some decisions in your life. And I pretty well guarantee you, most of you have never been face-to-face with what you're about to come face-to-face with. So I want you to be in prayer, and I want you to think about and pray about God, what God would have you do. I was thinking, Chloe, I was thinking about you this week when I was thinking about this. See, Chloe's hurt her knee, and she's about to go in and have knee surgery. And she has a very similar injury to what I did when I was in high school. But she's willing to face her lions. And we don't have to be pushed around by our circumstances, guys, in life. If we'll stand up and be lion chasers, God will use us to change our families and change our communities. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your presence here. I thank you for changed lives today, Lord. And I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that you would help us to face the lions in our lives and not just face them, but overcome them. Thank you, Lord. Be with us as we leave this place. Help us to see opportunities around us, Lord, but not just see the opportunities, but seize them for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We'll see you at 4 o'clock at the leadership meeting today. See you tonight at church. God bless you as you go.